and you hear your mother's voice in your brain, what she's saying? Because, <laughs> well, you can't, you can check, she's right there. And what is it she says in your brain? My mom, uh, one, one thing she, oh, I hear my mother's voice, sir, Kenny, I just want you to serve the Lord. That's, that's my mom's voice. But, but really, um, my mother's voice in my mind, probably most often, uh, says this. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. I can never read that verse without hearing my mother's voice. Be kind to one another and tenderhearted and forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. That's Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. And that's what we're talking about. It's a series of messages that are going to end, Lord willing, next Sunday. And we're going to, we're going to cap it with uh, dinner on the grounds, an old school barbecue and, and some toe-tapping music. And Pastor Discerns isn't going to be tapping his toe because he was, um, I'm not going to make a joke out of this because we're, we're glad he's here with us today. He was up in the top of a tree and he cut his leg with a chainsaw. Yeah. And we love him and we're sorry he got hurt and... Uh, Wanted to thank the Lord that he's well today and he's with us and not hurt any worse than he is. But he will be there and he organized this for us and so we're grateful to him for doing that. That's next, next Sunday and, and uh, it's also a really wonderful day because this is the first day that our pastor Stephen is with us full time. Give him a round of uh, welcome. and So he's a big blessing to us. He's a medium-sized person, but he's a big blessing <laughs> to us. He hangs around and you feed him like you have me, then he will obviously grow. And uh, anyway, we're super, we're super glad uh, to have this uh, crew. And last night we uh, also have on our, on our team here and who... Uh, also serves many hours a week that you don't really see is Bill Musham. He's the business manager of our church, and if he didn't business manage our church, you wouldn't like what it looked like. I'm just telling you that. Uh, so what a, what a little team there that we have, and that's just the fellows that are at the you know, pastoral and business thing. We have others that are in the team in the church office, too. We're grateful for them. Now, one of the things, what's the message? Why we do all of this? Well, because we're followers of Jesus Christ. That's why we do all of this. Because years ago on a mountain, after Jesus rose from the dead, he met his disciples on a mountain in Galilee, and he gave them, uh, he gave them an assignment. And the assignment was to go into all the world and gather other people to be followers of Jesus too. And look around. That's why most of us are here. Some of us are here today because mom wanted us to be here. Um, and, but most of us are here today because um, we are followers of Jesus Christ too. And uh, fellas, your song today is a real blessing to me. Uh, because here you are, young guys, and you actually sang this morning that you would be willing to die before you deny the Lord. And as a pastor, I'm sitting there thinking, that's what this is all about. Okay, so if Jesus is everything to us, and if we would be willing to die before we denied him, then if he were to come into the building today, and he were to give us a gentle instruction, would we obey it? Would we obey it? 
This is the place where you say, yes, we would. Let's do that together. If Jesus Christ came in and gave us his instruction today, would we obey it? Yes, we would. And he does that through his word every week. And the instruction here is about what to do when people hurt you. Last week we talked about what to do when you hurt other people. And this week, what to do when other people hurt you. In the, in the goal of becoming an irresistible community of, of love. Now, I'm gonna, here's the sermon structure so you kind of get where we're headed. Um, and I'm eight for eight on letting out at noon on Mother's Day. Because I'm a professional. So you need to listen carefully because I'm going to talk really fast. No, I'm just kidding. But here's the sermon structure. You know, when you listen to the sermon, you kind of sit there and you kind of go, why is this important? And is he going to tell me how? And so here's, that's the sermon structure today. We're talking now today about what to do when other people hurt you. I'm going to start by telling you why it's important in the negative. If you don't do this, these are the bad things that are going to happen. Then I'm going to tell you how, and we're going to talk about three different levels of hurt and how to handle the three different levels of hurt. Then we're going to end by going back to the why, but we're going to take the positive approach at the end and say what good things happen when we do this. And so that's what we're going to do. You'll be surprised how quickly I'm able to do all of that. Um, in Matthew chapter 18, by the way, in Matthew 5, turn to Matthew 18, but in Matthew 5 we have an instruction, Matthew 5, about what to do when we hurt other people. Matthew 18, we have an instruction about what to do when other people hurt us. Matthew 18, verse 15 says this, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you've gained your brother. So it's just like Jesus is saying, if you're going to be my follower, sometimes you're going to hurt other people, and sometimes other people are going to hurt you. And if that happens, there are things that you can do. And there are things that I expect you to do if other people hurt you. And then he's going to go, he's going to give a story in Matthew 18, which is one of his famous parables that he's famous for in Matthew 18. And that, that story is really all about basically saying this. Don't go telling other people that you are a follower of Jesus, but you aren't merciful and you won't forgive. Jesus is saying, if you're my follower, then you're a forgiver because you're a forgiven forgiver. But if you aren't a forgiver, then you're really not following me. That's what he's going to say. He says it again in Mark eleven twenty five. 25. It says this, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. If you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And this isn't just once that the Bible says this. There are a number of places that the Bible says that the way you forgive is the way you're forgiven. And we're all here because we've been forgiven a great debt of sin. So we can't say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I just don't want you to die for him. Right? So that's what he's saying. Also, in Ephesians, that was Ephesians 4.32 that I said I heard my mother's voice. And there's a parallel passage in Colossians. And if I were you and I were just taking a few notes, you might write down these verses that I just gave. And I'm going to say them to you again. Because this week, as you just reflect on what I've talked about and throughout your life, you're going to have many occasions that people hurt you. And I want you to think, wait a minute, when people hurt you, think, 
Well, are you a follower of Jesus? And would you follow him to the death? And do you believe what he says? And he walks in the room and says, I want you to do these things. Will you do those things? And this is Colossians in chapter 3 and verses 12 and 13. Therefore, as elect of God, another way of saying Christians, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies and kindness and humility, meekness and long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Even if anyone has a complaint against another, even as, listen to this, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do, must do. You can't say, I can't say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but there are some people that, I w- that I'm not willing to forgive. You cannot say you are following Jesus and there are people that you're not willing to forgive. You can't do that. And why is this important? Well, it's, it's like I mentioned last week in James, the, the, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The, the idea in mind there is the suke, it's like the inner person of soul. A person with a split soul is like got a compound fracture. Remember me saying that? In other words, here's what happens. If you sin against somebody else and you don't ask forgiveness, or if somebody sins against you and you're not willing to forgive them, James says it's like your soul has a compound fracture. Like the deepest part of you is that you've lost your inner integrity. You're hurting on the inside. So here's what happens. If somebody sins against me and I'm unwilling to forgive them, after a while it's going to get quickly down into my soul and it's going to break me in a deep place in a bad way. It's going to affect my relationship with other people, even others who haven't sinned against me. It'll still affect my relationship with them. And here's what's worse. It has a spiritual effect on my relationship with God, or at least my, the experience of my relationship with God. It interferes with the fellowship that I'm supposed to be able to have with the Lord. Listen, listen, hear what I'm saying. If you're married, you, you might want to really get this because you're going to need it. And if you're not, you're going to need it too. And, and that's this. You have to be ready to forgive as a follower of Jesus because people are going to hurt you. And if you don't, you're going to break yourself in a really bad way. And you're going to mess up relationship with other people. And you're going to harm your relationship with God. And here's the scary part. Jesus taught in the end of this story in Matthew that he says, and if you don't do this, the tormentors are going to have access to you. Which is actually a pretty scary, shadowy way of saying you will actually have demonic, it's likely that you'll have demonic oppression if you don't forgive. I'm a pastor, and I have seen this up close and personal many times. We're not talking about people's heads spinning around or they're talking in other voices. We're just talking about what in the world would make a person so angry, so bitter, so broken. Many more people are oppressed spiritually over this than realize they are. You might be. If you have a lot of trouble with anger, you can't seem to get free of that, or you stuff things, and they just eat you alive inside, and it's rooted in some hurt that you had in your past. Do you realize that this is not just a natural thing, this is a supernatural thing, and that you actually have spiritual warfare going on inside you, and Jesus came to set you free from that? Those people that hurt you a long time ago, or last week, are going to keep hurting you all your life if you don't let go of it. Jesus says you can let go of it. And you can let them be free just like I let you be free. And if you don't, you're going to mess yourself up. Okay, so that's what some of the bad things that are going to happen. So how do you respond when you get hurt? Well, there are bad ways to respond. And, and that tells me a lot about you. How, when people hurt you, how do you respond? You're never more vulnerable to sin than when you're sinned against. Am I right? You're never more vulnerable to sin than when you're sinned against. And some of the worst things that ever happened in your life was somebody sinned against you and you reacted and you can explain it, 
but it's really hard to clean up the mess. So how is it that you, what's your default response mechanism when somebody hurts you? Can I suggest some? Some people, they say, I'm going to hurt you back. It's called revenge. And to some people, revenge is sweet. And they just plot. They'll say, I'm going to get him back. To some people, this is just like physical retaliation. Others are more subtle. They'll, they'll like smile to you in your, your, your face, but they're going to get you behind your back. They're going to kind of lay a trap for you. You can respond by hitting back, by talking back, by getting back, by giving the cold shoulder, by simple things like eye rolling or dark private thoughts or, or words behind people's back. Now, I hate to tell you this, but this happens in, in churches, all churches. It just does. Because we live in a fallen world, we still wrestle with whatever that indwelling sin is, and we still do this. Our first response to when somebody hurts us is usually not the Christ-like response. It's to say something bad about them. I'm a pastor. I'm a professional good guy. And that's the way it is with me. If somebody says something bad about me, I want to say something bad about them. I want to discredit them. Or at least I want to nurture a little sweet place in my heart where I don't like them privately. Is anybody in the room not dealing with this right now? I'm serious. Is anybody in the room that when I say this, a, a, a name doesn't pop into your mind? If not, you're on drugs. You're just, I mean, probably that's why some of us are on drugs. Because of that hurt, right? Don't be too hard on people on drugs. Sometimes if you went through, that what they went through, you'd be on drugs too. If you were married to that guy, you might be an alcoholic too. Or he might be an alcoholic if he was married to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, so there's different ways of responding. And let's just, let's just say you don't want to respond sinfully, but you want to re- let's assume that there's a biblical, right, gracious, good, godly way to respond. Now, there are three different levels of hurt. I want to talk about this like triage. Are you familiar with the idea? Triage is a French word that means the order that you put people in when you're trying to deal with their, their illness or their injury. Like you'd go into emergency room and here comes somebody and he has, let's say, skinned his knee, right? And he's been waiting for 30 minutes and somebody else comes in and they have like themselves with a chainsaw or something, and you're like, you're going to, that's the last time I'm going to take advantage of your <laughs> cheap, take advantage of your injury for a cheap sermon illustration. Like, but, you know, if that happened, I'd be like, my brother cut himself with a chainsaw, and he hit an artery, which Pastor did. Please move him to the front of the line. He's going to be really hurt here if you don't move him to the front of the line. And Mr. Skinny, can you move over for a minute? Thank you. Right? Okay, so that's what I'm saying. There's hurt, and then there's hurt, and then there's a hole. There's code blue, right? There's oop, that's a speed bump. And there's like, oh, wow, that one is a, that's, that's, that's a serious matter right there. And then there's like, if we don't act on this, this person's going to die. And so when we talk about just forgiving, we don't want to be all glib about it. Some people have been hurt in amazingly egregious ways. Let's talk about the speed bumps, the fender benders, the minor scrapes. Let's talk about them first. A couple comes to the pastor, for instance, and, and she's just ticked with him because he's selfish and stuff. And the pastor says, tell me about it. And she says, well, you know, like the other night, you know, we, he invited a couple, three guys to, to, to watch the, the game. And six guys came over. I didn't have enough chips for six guys. And the pastor's like, and you're mad at him? Yes. He's selfish like that. So the pastor says, did, 
How many guys did he invite? Three. How many came? Six. Whose fault was it? Well, it's their fault. So he says, so let me see if, I'm, if I understand this right. You're having marriage problems because y- you ran out of Doritos. That's a speed bump, you see. That's not a big deal. The, the question that you first want to ask when you're hurt, and we are, all of us, really tender and easily hurt, and that is, are, is that really a problem? Really? Seriously? Are you serious? About, I mean, are you really going to wig out over, over running out of Doritos? Is, are you really going to get ruin your marriage over a speed bump like that? Are you really going to make such a big deal over something that is, you know there are people that are dying for their faith in the world right now, and you have to wait while somebody else goes in line in front of you? Are you serious about that? If Jesus were standing here physically, would you look him in the eye, the one who bled and died for you and was tortured for you, and would you say to them, I didn't get on the music schedule, Jesus? And by the way, if you can sing and you want to be on the music schedule, we'll make a spot for you. But right, you know what I'm saying? And you, know, you can get all ticked off about, really? Do you have a real problem? I mean, think about this. The last thing you got mad about, you're kind of drilling down on your mate or, or a friend or whatever, and you're really ticked about it. Like, wait a minute, stop everything and back up. And let's just hold it right there. Now, let's imagine the doctor just walked in the room and said, you know, it is cancer and it is stage four, and the treatment for this is just going to be wasting money. So you want to get your affairs in order because you're going to have to have a funeral for that wife of yours in a few months. Now, that changes the whole thing, doesn't it? Like, oh, I don't care that she never put the cap back on the toothpaste. I don't care. Matter of fact, I would love to go in the bathroom and find a person that sadistically squeezed the toothpaste in the middle and left the cap off. But it never happens anymore because I don't have her. You see what I'm saying? There are things that just aren't a big deal. I was, uh, we went to, matter of fact, yesterday we went to, my son and I, we went to the hardware store I always take people with me to the hardware store because I have no idea what I'm doing in a hardware store. So we went to the hardware store, and we're, we're in there shopping in Lowe's for some plumbing. And, and there's, I, you know, I pay a lot of attention to this, but if you're going to replace the plumbing in your sink, you can have a lever, and it has the hot and cold right there together so you don't have to use two hands, just one hand. And then you have the other ones that are a little bit cheaper, and you have to use two hands or use one hand on both sides. Have you ever noticed that? And I'm like, well, let's get that one because I don't do the dishes that much anyway. And then my son says maybe we ought to call mom and ask her. And he says this, which is kind of cute. And we did get the one lever for the occasions, the quarterly occasions when I do the dishes, you know. But we did get the one lever. But here's what Kyle says. He goes, that's a first world problem. Right? You know what that means? That means there are places where you live in this world that if you could get water of any kind for your babies not to die, you would be thankful to God in tears. Most of the problems that we get mad at each other about are first world problems. They're little speed bumps. They're skinned knees. They're we ran out of Doritos problems. Are you kidding me? So we need to kind of maybe suck it up and maybe realize we don't have to get angry over every little thing. We were in Mexico, and we were tired, and we had traveled over 24 hours without stopping, and we were finally in a hotel in Monterey, and finally, and all the family was with us, and finally we got our quarters, and it was extremely, I was extremely tired, and everybody was extremely tired, 
And I was a little irritated with the way the trip had been planned. I thought there hadn't been the care given to our needs with the food and our time. And I was a little ir- I was leading so you wouldn't have been able to tell by looking at me that my insides were kind of upset. You wouldn't have known because I was m- maintaining a professional demeanor. You know, but inside I'm like, mm. They sent us to our rooms. The leader sent us to our rooms. And then, just as we got into our rooms in the hotel, we had two different rooms, then we got word from the leader that he changed his mind and wanted to put us somewhere else. And I'm like, oh, my word. The man needs to plan ahead. And it's the middle of the night, and we haven't been in bed over 24 hours. So I go hiking back to the desk. And they said, oh, the leader wanted you to have the presidential suite, you see. We gave it to him, but he wanted you and your family to have it. And it was $1,200 a night for the presidential suite which isn't where we normally stay, I'm just saying. $1,200 a night, do you remember that? It was like amazing, this balcony that looked over this whole big valley, and I was sort of glad I didn't say anything outwardly because I really didn't have a problem. And the Bible says that if you're a follower of Christ, then 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, we're not easily provoked. Okay, have I said enough about that? Then there's that major trauma. Now, let's admit, sometimes what happens is that Satan will try to get you to make small things big. And he does that in church especially. And then sometimes what will happen, though, is he'll try to get somebody to, to, to um, offend in small things so very often that it really becomes a big thing. I admit I, and I, that the guy is always inviting tons of people over, and, he's never, and he doesn't care about you. Then after a while, yeah, it, it, it can get irritating. And, and a small thing, you know, a whole bunch of small things together, yes, they do become a, a big thing. And then that's got major trauma. That's serious wounds. This is rapid response time. And what do you do? Back in Matthew chapter 18, there are some steps that Jesus says to take. Look at that quickly in Matthew 18. Um, here's what Jesus says. He says, uh, go. He says, go. And then he says, go alone. Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins against you, go. Tell him his fault between you and him alone. This would save us a lot of trouble if we did that because we don't tend to do that. What do we tend to do? We go talk to somebody else and we get some moral and we get some immoral support. Hey, do you agree with me? Was the guy a jerk? Yes, the guy was a jerk. Maybe I should talk to him. Yeah, talk to three or four more other people before you go talk to him. And then you're harming it, right? Then you're sinning against the person who sinned against you because you're talking to other people. And Amy Carmichael's word was, right, never about, always to. Don't talk about people. Go talk to people. This is really hard to do. It's a lot harder than not drinking, not smoking, not swearing, not going to bad movies, not looking at porn. It's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to go, oh, I want so much to get some immoral support. But I'm not going to do it. If I'm going to say anything, it's going to be to that person. Every once in a while, someone will come to me and they'll say, Pastor, I have not told anybody else this. You know, you kind of hurt me. You did this, you did that. And I've not told anybody else, but I'm telling you. I'm telling you when people do that, I don't like it. I don't want to hear I did anything wrong. Okay? But, but I do things wrong. So when they come, I'm like, okay, this is a holy moment. Especially when a person says the magic words. You're the first person I have talked to about this. How rare is that? But to do anything else is to violate what Jesus says. Go, take the first step. You, to the person that's offended you, go alone. Don't talk to others. Don't have a pre-meeting. Don't get moral support, immoral support. Third, go reconcile. The, the idea is to reconcile the relationship. Notice it says, if you go and he listens, what happens? You have won your brother. That's awesome. 
Because Jesus wants you guys to get along. It's like he's the dad and you're the kids. He's like, oh, look at my kids. They love each other. I love them. They, they're getting along. I'm happy. <laughs> That's the way it is with fathers, especially our great heavenly father. And then notice it says, go now. I mean, like, don't mess around. Drop it. If you, you're given your gift, leave your gift at the altar and go. And in, in Mark 11, it says, if you stand praying, stop praying. Go take care of what was wrong. So it's a, it's a priority. That's what we should do. Now, what about the code blue? And, and by the way, if you don't come all the time and you come occasionally, we'll come back. We'll circle back to this. is a key theme in Scripture, and I'll preach about this more. I've preached about it in the past. I'll preach about it more. It's really important that you come every Sunday, every Lord's Day. And if you take a vacation, take a vacation and get with other God, of God's people. You're made for every week connecting with God through his people somewhere. If you live here, you should be here every week. If you go on vacation, that's just wonderful. Find a group of Christ followers and join with them for that week. Bring us back a bulletin uh, so that we can, we can learn, even though we have the best bulletin known to mankind. Bring back your bulletin because Sandy would like to look at it. And, um, but, but you be in church. But, but what I'm saying is, I'll talk about this again. We talk about this a lot. You need to hear more about this because this isn't something that people generally get really quick. It takes them some time sometimes. What about the code blue? What about you were sexually abused? What about your husband left you? What about your, your, your child was hurt by somebody in a bad way? What about that? We don't just go, well, you know, just forgive him. It's like, it's not a light thing. Does Jesus, what Jesus have to say, would it apply to somebody who say was murdered or tortured or falsely accused or abandoned when they were good? like they did to him. And he never hurt anybody. He never said an unkind word. He never injured anyone. He never lied. He never lusted. He was not a glutton. He was not a drunkard. He was a sweet, innocent, perfect God-man. And they tortured him in front of his mother, and they killed him. And while he was dying, he said, Father, forgive them. So don't say you're a follower of Jesus and you only forgive the little things or the medium-sized things, but you don't forgive the big things because it's not going to work. You can't talk to him alone and have prayer and say, God, I love you. And he's like, what about that person? What about them? Are you, are, here's what works for me. If I have secret thoughts about somebody, maybe I'm not saying anything about them or doing anything bad to them, but I have secret thoughts about them and they're not good, they're not thoughts of like, I hope that they repent and they're right with the Lord and all is good for them, that I'm not right with the Lord and I know it. It doesn't matter who they are. Our secret thoughts ought to be, no matter how heinous or how evil or how wicked or how bad we were treated, God, please give them the gift of repentance. Please restore them to yourself. And please forgive them like you forgave me and like you forgave my loved ones. In other words, what good will come if we do forgive? Uh, Victoria Ruvalo is driving home. True story, look it up. Search from the internet, Victoria Ruvalo. Look it up. You got to see the video on this. She said she lives on Long Island. She's driving home one night after uh, being with some friends. What she doesn't know is the, in the oncoming traffic are, are, are 
a, a car full of boys that are kind of drunk. They've gone out. They've stolen a credit card. They've ripped off some stuff from a store. They bought stuff with a stolen credit card, including a big frozen turkey. And just to be funny, one of the kids heaves the frozen turkey out into oncoming traffic, and she's going 70 miles an hour, and it goes through her windshield and completely destroys her face. It breaks every bone in her face, crushes her esophagus. She's going to be hanging between life and death for months now. And her face needs reconstructive surgery. And they go back in the store and they look at the video and they find the boy who did it and they bring him to justice. And so now he goes to court and he's going to be in jail for a very long time and he ought to be because he almost killed the lady. She goes to the defender and to the judge. Something happens in her heart and she says, it's not going to really do any good to put this boy away for a long, long time. I think he may have learned his lesson. She appeals to them for a lenient sentence. She says, on my behalf, I'm the one who was injured. Could you please let the boy go with a lenient sentence, with with hours of community service? Could you please do that? And, And she makes a plea in court, in writing, in his presence, and the whole court, hardened people that see everything, the whole court begins to weep. And they give him a lenient sentence, and he stands, the boy stands, and she stands, and they embrace for a long time in the courtroom, and they both weep. I think Jesus was there that day. There's somebody that has hurt you and they keep hurting you because you haven't let go of it. Why don't you just say, I'm going to let go of it like Jesus who died on the cross forgave my sin. If Jesus walked in the room, a lot of times I help people who have been hurt and sometimes I say to them, I want you to pretend And I want you to imagine that Jesus just walked in a room and he sat down right over there. And he looked over at you and he said to you, I'm so sorry you got hurt. Now, I want to help you. Will you do what I say? What would you tell Jesus? And the people always say, I would do what he says. All right. Because we do have that, you know. In the Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, it it specifically says three things to do. And this will help you kind of give you these three things here. How you treat an enemy or somebody who's hurt you. First, don't talk bad about them. Don't talk bad. Don't say bad things to anybody privately, publicly. Stop talking. And only bless them. If you're going to say anything, say something that's a blessing. Okay? That's number one. Matthew 5.44. Bless those or curse you. Bless and curse not. That's, who said that? Who said that? Jesus said that. Jesus who died on the cross, naked in front of his mother, though he was innocent, said, if I can do this and you want to be my follower, you can do this. Bless those who, don't talk bad. Second thing, don't do bad. Don't do any, don't add any more. If you've done anything bad, stop. Don't do anything bad. Don't do anything sneaky bad. Don't do anything bad with your words. Don't do anything bad with your eye rolling. Don't do anything bad. Just say, God help me do. Not to say anything bad. But if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to do good. Give a gift. Do good. This is profound. It's simple but profound. This is the way Jesus teaches us. Where did we get this? Who taught this? Jesus. Are you a follower of Jesus? Yes or no? Well then, right? And then finally, don't think bad. This is huge. Don't think bad. Don't let yourself dwell Instead, what do you do? Those who despitefully use you and persecute you, Matthew 5, he said, pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. They should get on your prayer list 
So let's, let's ask God to help us, not to talk bad, not to do bad, not to think bad, but we'd have integrity in the inner part of our soul. Where we don't have dark thoughts about anybody, but we just think good thoughts, like as soon as they can get to the cross where we can kneel together, they can be forgiven, and I can be forgiven. Can you imagine a place where people, like a big group of people, they got together and they actually made like a vow covenant promise before God that they would follow Jesus this way and they would forgive people who hurt them. Would you want to be a part of a club or organization like that? Wouldn't it be something if there was a club, an organization, an enterprise that said, we're going to be bound together under the name of Christ and we're going to make a vow before God that we'll do what Jesus did and we'll forgive people who forgave us. That's what we are. That's who. Wouldn't that place be just irresistible. The song we're going to close with today says that in unity the face of Christ may be clear for all the world to see. You, you know, that's what church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be the place where even when we don't want to, even when we're hurt, even when somebody has mistreated us or mistreated somebody we love, even if we have somebody's just perpetually irritating that we still say, I'm going to respond by not saying bad things or doing bad things or thinking bad things, but by blessing and by doing good and by praying. And that place there, wouldn't it be, what would you call a place like that? I would call it an irresistible community of love. Stand, would you please?